It has happened once again. You have reached the Real Dirt Podcast with Chip Baker, the semi-regular podcast where we speak of cannabis, hemp, and all things ganja. Welcome again, my friends. Ah, you know, I really enjoy this podcast. I talk to so many people all over the country and all over the world, and I appreciate you guys listening to me. Man, I'll tell you, it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. I've met so many cool people through this podcast. The genuine friendship people have brought me over this podcast has been pretty incredible. And so I want to thank all of you who listened to me. And, you know, we were looking at some of the stats the other day. And this this type of stuff is kind of hard to read and put together. But, man, we got like, man, like 30,000 people may download this episode. And that number is really incredible to me because as you're listening to this, you're one of maybe 30,000 people in the country that are interested in cannabis and ganja and hemp. And, you know, I know there's many millions more people that, that are talking about it and many millions more people that are thinking about it. But you guys really are you know, the core group of this industry, you know, we haven't been able to advertise to get this podcast to work. And so like a podcast, like, I don't know, let's just pick some random stuff like cereal. That's a, 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 or this American life, or those are major podcasts, which I love, you know, they advertise, they have advertising dollars. We can't do that. Government won't let us. Facebook won't let us. It's just really hard to advertise. But that doesn't matter to us because we really just want to speak to ganja people and hemp people. And so we have marketed this podcast to you via trade shows, word of mouth, a really large, active Facebook and social media pages, Instagram, Facebook. And and that's how we've gotten all of you guys here, more, more than likely. Maybe there's some other way. But word of mouth... You know, hey man, have you heard this podcast, Real Dirt Chip Baker? Oh, dude, I heard, totally heard that podcast. You know, that type of stuff. Just Facebook engagements and um, Instagram engagements. We, we have a fairly large Instagram following between Cultivate Colorado, Growers Soil, The Real Dirt Podcast. That uh, cumulatively, it's like, you know, 60,000 people or something. Somehow want to know what we have to say. So you're one of a few. There's not that many cannabis licenses in the U.S. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you either own a cannabis license, hey y'all, or you work for a cannabis company, Grow Joes and Grow Janes out there, bud tenders, accountants, lawyers, what have you, Um, or you want to be in the cannabis industry. Y'all are hardcore. Y'all are hardcore group, man. I just want to give it up to you. Because uh, it really is all growers, all business people, all weed enthusiasts that are listening to the Real Dirt podcast. And if I can ask all of you to just do one thing, because I really want to spread the word. I want to want to spread the word about cannabis. I want to spread the word about hemp and ganja and how it's changing the world. And it's it's been changing the world for years. But, you know, we really are on this like precipice of in, incredible international change with with cannabis. I'm not sure what's going to happen with it, but no one can see the future. I want to ask you guys, please get a friend that hasn't listened to the podcast and ask people if they listen to podcasts and, and recommend the Real Dirt podcast. 
the more people we interact, the better we get. We're a team here, man. We really are. You guys, I'm just the voice here. The people I have on the show, they're the voice. They're the people that, you know, decided for some reason that they wanted to be involved in ganja and I happen to be friends with them or heard their story and we got them on here. We're, we're just the voice and you guys really are the action. So please, if you haven't subscribed to the Real Dirt podcast on iTunes, please do. If you haven't joined us on Instagram or Facebook, the Real Dirt podcast, please, please do. We'd love to have you there. We'd love your interaction. Say what's up. I'm on there all the time. I'm on the forklift, picking up soil. I'm on the Instagram. I'm in a garden. It looks really fucking cool. I take a picture of that. I'm on the Instagram. So sometimes when you guys are commenting on our Instagram page, I'll actually be in some of the largest gardens in the world. You know, I'll, 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 I'll be in the presence of some of the smartest cannabis brains in the world. And, you know, or, or maybe even just the highest quality or... The coolest people, man. I mean, 100%. So uh, just know you guys are part of this tribe. We're the Ganja Tribe, the Real Dirt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this next episode of The Real Dirt. Hey, this is Chip from The Real Dirt. Oh, I am coming to you live from Oklahoma City, OKC, as we like to call it. That's right. Feels like Mexico today. It's hot and humid. Such a nice afternoon. And this evening has been very pleasant. You know, we, we've, we've moved down here several months ago to, uh, to establish a, a bunch of other businesses we have. Um, another Cultivate Colorado. We're having a Cultivate Oklahoma now. We are in two different states and servicing people all over. So, yeah, I'm sorry I haven't had the most regular episodes, but that's what I've been doing. We've been opening up our newest grow store in Oklahoma. Uh, if you haven't heard, Oklahoma is pretty awesome. I know there's lots of stereotypes about this place, but let me tell you, coolest people, nicest people. We've only run into a handful of jackass and, you know, that just happens. You run into some jackasses here. But, man, we have joined, like, some incredible groups. We went to a, um, a women's cannabis event this past weekend. Man, it was this lakeside event. There was maybe, like, was small, maybe, like, 100 people or something were there. I met some really cool people that do cannabis and comedy. There was a, a classroom there where they were educating people on how to make their own medicinal products and how to grow cannabis, how to grow their own personal cannabis. Um, it, it was really great, man. I met some great people, some transplants from all over, some local Oklahomians. Man, cannabis events are happening all the time here. It's like it's everything's so brand new. And, you know, other states that have had previous cannabis culture, there was this like darkness and hiddenness that that accompanied cannabis when it was illegal. In Oklahoma, I just don't really see it. I mean, I know there was some sort of cannabis cultivation here, but being in the hydroponic industry, as we call it, because, you know, I own grow stores, CultivateColorado.com, CultivateOKC.com now. If you need any grow gear, grow needs, blight, soil, whatever, just ring us up there, get a commercial account, uh, free delivery all over. 
just a little plug. Anyway, so I own the I own the stores, and I've been involved in this industry for years. Make potting soil, made all kinds of stuff, lights, fertilizer, nutrients. You know, I really have a pulse on who's buying, who's selling, what's really going on. And man, Oklahoma has blown up as far as sales in the hydro industry. There are dozens of shops that have opened up here. If you're late to the party, I don't know if I'd show up here. For everybody else, it has, you know, definitely increased the volumes of sales here. You know, there was a previous store, there was a solo store here. I think they're called Oklahoma Organic Garden Supply or OKC Organics. Maybe that's what it is. They're a longtime local store. They seem they seem like cool people. Um, I've stopped in their store. I've checked them out. Their parking lot's packed. But they used to be the only game in town. Now they're not. There's a dozen more stores. Everybody's doing good business. So, you know, it's not like it's flooded yet. And, you know, it's it it may flood. The whole thing may happen. But that's what happened in Colorado anyway. Uh, it's so many stores opened up that, uh, you know, it just kind of flooded out the market for most people. We cultivate, though. We got a superior staff and supply superior knowledge on how to grow Grow it up, man. So if you ever got a question, just walk into one of our shops, give us a call, and ask for Jacob or Jimmy or Isaac. Man, any of those guys can help you out. And and numerous others, all of our employees there are just incredible, totally stellar. If you got a question, just ask. But I don't know, I'm kind of rambling here. So we've moved to Oklahoma to open up uh, some grow stores. We've received a little bit of confrontation over the whole outsiders thing, but not really. Most people have just been really ultra cool to us. We've met some really great people. My uh, potting soil company, Grower Soil, we started uh, up a DC here, started distributing product down here, have met growers and grow stores from all over the state. You know, and man, all type, you know, ganja attracts all types of people. That's one of the things I really love about it. You know, the cultural anthropological side of it is is just incredible to me. And we have met just all kinds of people, you know, wanting growers, soilless products. It's a high porosity mix. It's made from peat, cocoa, and perlite. Holds a little bit more moisture than, say, your standard high porosity mix. Um, but, you know, that's better for you. It's better for the plant. It's easier to water. Uh, and you still retain all of the uh, air, fill porosity, and, and uh, uh, cash on exchange rate, nutrient exchange rate with it. Um, but people from all walks of life are, are buying this soil. And it, it's all it's really cool. Last week I loaded up some people, uh, you know, they were they were ranchers. They had ranch trucks. Um, cattle, they had cattle feeders in the back of the truck and we wedged some soil between the cattle feeders and, you know, they, they had ganja growing plans and, you know, I've, I've met engineers that we've loaded pallets of soil up into their small little Toyota FJs. You know who you are. That's right. We've talked to, uh, real estate agents out there. Uh, yeah, cause we we're, we're, of course, we don't want to buy a home down here and got a great real estate agent that we met through the cannabis community. It's been really cool, man. Things about Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma, small town USA, so to speak. It is uh, not California. It is not, you know, Oregon, Washington. It's not Las Vegas. It's not Denver. Um, Even though 
Colorado's just right right there. Um, it, it's a far more southern and uh, rural community, even here in Oklahoma City. You know, most of Oklahoma City is ag land, so I've been told. You know, it's a really huge city, 600 square miles or something like that, and 600,000 people here. Don't quote me on any of those stats, you Oklahomians that really know what these stats are. You, you can absolutely post on our page, uh, you know, Facebook page that I was wrong about these. But still, it's really big. But the cannabis scene is new, man. So it's not that that side of it's not so big. Now, I know there's some big rooms out there. We're selling big lights and big soil to big grows out there. Lots of rock wool, lots of nutrients, lots of soil. Big lights, two, three hundred lights. We had a customer call yesterday at 70,000 square feet and had some trim pros and wanted, wanted some trim pros and whatnot. And there's some big people out here, but most of the people here got 200 to 400 amps of power to grow inside. Now, let's break that down. So 200 amps, that's going to roughly get you 12,000 watts, no matter how you do it, LEDs, 315s, or 1,000 watts. Down here, you're going to need about a six-ton AC. Maybe you get away with a little bit less. That's where most of your energy consumption is going to go. You're going to have some fans and some dehumidifiers, too. You know, you got to have that dehumidifier. Here, let's break down a typical 200-amp grow room. Now, there's a couple ways to do this. One is, uh, you know, you can just have one room of 12,000 watts. That 12,000 watts can be cooled by six tons of AC. The way we get that math is we take 12 and multiply it times 0.5 because it's 0.5 tons per light in order to cool the light down. Now, this means that you have really good insulation. You have spray foam insulation, cement walls. If you don't have that, then, then you know, you should do 0.75 instead of 0.5. If you're out in the plains, if you're someplace really sunny, then, you know, just bust up your uh, AC equation a little bit. So 12,000 watts, six tons. Now you can put these watts in 315s, right? And you can get, oh, what is that crazy math? All right, that crazy math is like uh, 38 315s, which you would crush it with 38 315s on 12,000 watts instead of 12,000 watts. If you don't know about 315s, check them out. Love that sunlight 315 for sure. You could also do it another way. You could do it with 600 watts. And let's see what that math is. That's, you'd have 2,600 watts in there. So it doesn't matter. It's all the same AC. And my point to this whole thing is those are really small grow rooms. You can grow some great, great weed in those 200 amp grow rooms. Now, they're not the biggest grow rooms in the world, but who cares? You can grow great weed in those small rooms. You got room to, to sh slow up. You got stuff to do. You can put it together like it's nice, man. You got twice that size, 400 amps, because that's the other common size, 200 amps, 400 amps. 600 amps most people have two and 400 amps here in oklahoma right now they're they're you know licenses are easy to get so people have just gotten a license for whatever space and there's people with huge build outs too don't get me wrong but um so my point is is uh you know with that 200 amps man you can you know have twelve thousand watts or you can put it on the flip which means you know you have 
12,000 watts on flower for a 12-hour period a day, say 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., you have another 12,000 watts in another room on flower every day. So, you know, that's how you maximize your, uh, you know, your wattage there, and you just, you know, that way you get 24,000 watts running over a 24-hour period of time, which is a great, great way to do it. Flip it, man. Flip, 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 flip it. And with a 400-amp service, you, you get to do about the same thing. You have to have more AC, you know, you have more, more lights. And, yeah, there's more fit. There's efficient ways to, like, crank those numbers. But it doesn't matter if you're using LEDs or, or, or 315s. Like, both of those are really, really effective and really efficient. Uh, watt per square foot. The 1,000-watt double-ended still are the most effective per watt per unit measurement of heat to light a room. So uh, if you don't believe me, then just uh, go look at the math. Ganja growing is all about the math. It is absolutely there. No reason not to use LEDs if you want to. I mean, LEDs and 315s are expensive. So double-ended thousands are just so, so, so cheap, but just as effective, even more so in many circumstances. So you're going to have all these great small rooms growing small amounts of ganja. And I really believe that Oklahoma is going to crush it. Now, there's a bunch of farmers out there that have gotten licenses that are going to grow this stuff in the fields, that have gotten dubious seeds and auto flowers and dubious clones, and nobody knows what's going to go on this year because nobody's grown weed outside in Oklahoma ever, really. Not like this. I mean, you know, in the shadows and this or that, but... Of course, there are some people out there that have been doing it, but not the acres of ganja that's going to go on here. Chip predicts that uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City specifically, is going to become one of the ganja capitals of the country, at least for a little while. The extraction that's going to start to happen here because there's all this biomass is going to be pretty incredible. So many large companies are, are moving here because of the opportunities to take their current technology they developed in other countries like Colorado or California or Washington or Oregon or Nevada. They're able to take those like, you know, expensive technologies with that they've put just tons of resources in and bring them into Oklahoma. Man, it's going to change things. It is absolutely, you know, going to make Oklahoma a hot spot. And we already feel it. I said it earlier today and. You know, I'm a really open-minded dude, for sure, and full of contradictions. That's what happens when you're open-minded, right? But, man, Oklahoma City could be, like, very Amsterdam-like easily. The lax attitude over business and laws, you know, they just want one simple registration form. It's, a, you know, it's a pro-business state, for good or for bad. It's definitely a diamond in the rough, man. That's what I'm going to say, and... Man, we're going we're gonna to work hard to educate people. We're going to work hard to help people build their grow rooms. If we're going to have seminars. I mean, I'm, I'm really stoked to be down here. I feel like I have this great opportunity to pass on this legacy of knowledge that we have developed through, you know, my own personal journey, through Cultivate Garden Supply, through uh, Growers Potting Soil, it's going to blossom, man. It's going to blossom just like those flowers were growing in our basements.
Boom. So tell me about Oklahoma weed, all my friends say. Because, man, I'll tell you, I have some of the headiest friends in the world. Oh, my God. I got some heady friends. You know, they want to know what the weed's like here. And, of course, they all think they have the best weed. They grow the best weed. You know, and some of them do. Some of them do. Let my buddy over there, Crednick Jedley at Talking Tree Farms up in Humboldt. Man, he grows some pretty dank weed. Some of my other friends over at like Terrapin Station there in Colorado. Wow, man, they do a really good job. And, you know, places like Wolfpack over there in Colorado and Denver, like they curate, you know, lots of fine, fine ganja. And my boys Bloom down there in Pueblo. Man, they, they're all going great weed. And, you know, all my friends within those organizations are there. They, they're like, so what's the weed like in Oklahoma? Here's what the weed's like in Oklahoma. There's many dispensaries in town. They're medical dispensaries. Cannabis costs between $40 and $55 an eighth. We've been doing extreme market research here, going to different dispensaries to buy, you know, medical cannabis. You know, eighths, $40 to $55. Most of it, now I don't know the story behind the nug, but most of it appears... It looks a lot like greenhouse and outdoor from Northern California, Oregon, or Washington. You know, it, it looks like, you know, a lot of outdoor Oregon weed looks like kind of what I see. And not saying that they got weed from any of those states at all. I'm just saying it looks like that, okay? I don't know the story behind that. Like I said, I have no idea what people are doing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I see weed all over the world, and I'm almost like a geolocated for ganja, bro. I can tell you where it's grown almost a, a lot. Uh, maybe not completely 100% accurate, but, man, I got the skills on that one. There's been some great indoor weed we've seen here. You know, you can tell when it hasn't been processed heavily like stuck into a bag or a vacuum seal bag or rolled into a box or something like that and when the crystals are still on it and the hairs still stick out like you, you still you know it's not uh crushed or trampled or packaged um in any way that's how you know you got you know local indoor or outdoor but that's hard to get you know we've seen some some locally grown Okay, bud. Okay, see, bud. We're smoking it right now. Some of it's really good. I'll tell you, it's more humid down here, so there's a higher terpene profile uh, that you you smell. Uh, the same nugget that maybe would be in in Colorado or the plains of Oregon because it's so dry in those places. So yes, I'm saying the weed is very fragrant here um, because of that humidity. One of the problems that plagues Colorado is it's so dry you can't. It's hard to get that initial nose that comes off a, a sack of fine cannabis. You know you have to dig into it a little bit. I'll tell you the other thing is that the nuggets just don't powder the same way like they do in Colorado. Like you got to use a grinder, and I, I just find that makes for superior cannabis product when it just has that little bit more moisture in it. Now, Coloradoans would disagree and be like, your weed's wet. You're selling wet weight. But, you know, just a little bit more moisture in it. I prefer it. Other people do too. Not a lot. Not a lot. Just just that right amount. I'm not sure what that is. But 
Um, and you, you get that here because it's so humid. It's where we're basically in the South, man. You know, a lot of people say Oklahoma City. I say Oklahoma, and they're like, oh, you're in the plains, a big dust bowl. It's like, yeah, that was like fucking 100 years ago, asshole. You know, like, oh, what, what are you living in a teepee? And I was like, what a fucking jackass, you know? Uh, <laughs> we've heard all that stuff. But, uh, man, Oklahoma City starts to, like, west of Oklahoma City, it is plains. It's high plains, just like southern Colorado. East of Oklahoma City starts to get rolling, rolling hills, trees, some small mountain ranges, water, river, ponds. You get all of it, man. Lots of water over here. Uh, and, man, that's one of the things that really draws me to it is there's, there's lots of water here. Speaking of water, the water quality is not the greatest. Most places I have tested it within and around the city, the parts per million have been upwards of 400. The pH is 750. Uh, definitely RO filters are probably recommended if you're growing here. If you're having problems with your crop, get an RO filter. Man, the other awesome thing about Oklahoma City is everybody's talking about organic. Now, they're using this term that's a marketing term from Elaine Ingram and maybe some other people. It's like living soil. And I know it's like it's this great magic and it just sounds great. But, man, it's really we're just talking about organically grown weed, organic inputs, mostly grown with water. Now, there's all kinds of labs and PFA and subcultures of living soil, compost tea, and it is Man, high topic of conversation here where like Colorado people don't talk about it so much in certain pockets and segments people do. But in general, Colorado is not an organic state. It is mostly a hydro state. I sell tons of rock wool in, in Colorado, tons and tons of rock wool. Even though people perceive it to be organic, it's not, cannabis is not an organic product unless it has organic inputs. That means it's, you know, grown with products that we perceive to be organic. And that's uh, why the popularity of living soil has grown so much here is people want, you know, organic, organic product. This living soil, you know, they believe in the magic of it all. And there is a little bit of magic to it. There's a lot of magic to it. There's, no, that's no, that's no, there's a lot of magic to it. Uh, it but it, it is... It is absolutely one of the biggest topics of conversation, and I love it, man. I'm 25-year vegetarian. I try to only eat organic foods, smoke organic weed. doesn't happen all the time, uh, but I try, and that's what I want to do. Hands down, some of the best weed I've ever had has been, you know, organic outdoor. You know, best weed, best weed in the world. I'll give it to you right now. Northern California, Southern Oregon, organic, full sun, outdoor. It cannot be beat for flavor. <sighs> Oh, my God. Unless you're talking about maybe some properly grown, proper light depth from that, those same regions. Uh, you just cannot beat the flavor of the, the, that organic water-only product. It's, it's just incredible. And, of course, I've also seen the flip side of that. And many people's organic, especially when they go inside or living soil inside, the plants just don't digest the nutrients the same. And outside or in greenhouses, they, they can really do it well, and it's really effective. Indoors, they don't quite digest the nutrients the same, and you, you often see it in the, the flush of the cannabis. You know, people, like, really go through all the trouble of having their, you know, organic inputs, and they've got their labs, and they've, they're trading labs with their buddies, and 
compost tea and sprinkling whatever kind of magic on it, but then they can't, they have to pump so much nutrient in it through these organic methods that the plant still doesn't uptake all the nutrition and it's hard to flush. And, you know, truth of the matter, getting organic buds to yield indoors, you need larger containers and larger containers and larger veg time. And there's your secret to growing organic indoors is larger containers and larger veg times. But when you get larger containers and larger veg times, it's also harder to flush that product out. So you can get that weight with organic indoors, those larger containers, um, no problem. You, I mean, maybe problems, but but you can do it. It just, it's hard to flush, man. You get those big 10, 20 gallon containers, man, it's just, it's just hard to flush and it will ash hard and chunky and black, even though it's hundred percent organic product. So time and place for it, technique for it. Absolutely. Organic can be grown inside. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying some of the, some of the problems with what's going on with many people's gardens, because I get to see a lot of weed. I go to growers that they don't look at anybody else's weed and they grow tons of weed, man. But like they can't get their head out of their own garden, so to speak. And I get to go see everybody's weed. So, you know, I'm like, oh, that guy does it great. That guy does it okay. That guy does it awful. Oh, they're all growing the same strains. What is that guy doing? And I get to see the best technique. And I'm not a snob at all. Well, wait a second. I'm a total weed snob, but I'm not arrogant about it. If somebody's got the good shit, I don't care if it's grown hydro, then I'll give it up to a man. And I love hydro, by the way. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Man, I also love, you know, full sun organic outdoor, you know. All right. I've got uh, Daryl and Chris here from Cultivate OKC. We're putting up our new grow store here, Cultivate, on... Uh, uh, what's the address here? I don't even know it yet. It's 10th and Meridian. 10th and, 10th and Meridian, Northwest 10th Street, Meridian. We're just building it out right now. It's uh, full of pallets and um, drywall dust, and we're just getting it all going. But uh, as, a, as a promise, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you guys out there a, a special... Uh, uh, a special treat. I'm going to have Daryl and Chris uh, who have both seen uh, hundreds and hundreds of successful grow rooms um, give a, a, little, a, little, a little, little secret of success. So uh, we, we were talking about this earlier, guys. What, what's the what's the most weight you, we've really seen out of a grow room, Daryl? I'd say in the high three-pound area per light, per 1,000 watts. We've seen higher, but that's like an attainable regular goal. I think that's an obtainable goal. I've heard higher, but, you know, I've never seen it myself. But the high threes is, is reachable. And I think anywhere in the mid twos to high twos for a commercial grower on a large scale is uh, obtainable and should be done if you want to be successful. Now, uh, Chris has just come here from California to start this uh, Cultivate OKC. What, what, what do you think about that? What's the, the kind of highest or standard weight you see in indoor grow rooms, Chris? I tend to agree with the high threes being what I've heard of personally have not seen, but I've definitely seen three pound of light gardens and it's a obtainable. I think a lot of people are probably in the, the lower twos <laughs> working towards that. Growing weed is kind of like fishing it is the biggest fish you catch that day or that year. That's the fish you catch all the time. You know, and this isn't hard. I mean, at 2.5 ounces a square foot, and if you have a 1,000-watt light with 25 square feet, I mean, you're pushing 3.9 pounds. 
at two and a half ounces a square foot. And like when you say it that way, it doesn't seem like it's that, you know, that hard, right? With the right technique, I think it can be done, definitely. If you have enough plants per light, you have a pretty easy chance of hitting those numbers. Or enough colas. We, we were talking earlier and the legal amount for a home grower here in Oklahoma and in Colorado and many, many states is six plants. And, you know, I, I was speaking to Daryl how it was hard to get that three pound light with six plants. And he had a scenario where this was possible and regular. Could you explain this, this to me, Daryl? I mean, you got to have everything dialed in, your temperature, your humidity, and also CO2. And that's the I guess the foundation or the start of it all. And from there, genetics play an important role of, of the numbers that you'll be able to hit. When you mean your environment dialed in, it, it pretty much has to be HVAC. We're talking heating and air. Oh yeah, absolutely. People like to do it on the cheap, but it, it takes money. You know, you gotta have the right environment. So how do you do it with just six plants? I, me personally, I top them early. I make sure that uh, there would be a what I would, let's let's start it out at the very beginning. You got a clone. How's a clone come out? Comes out healthy. <laughs> healthy with white roots. It's a survival of the fittest. So you take more than you need and then you get rid of the losers and you keep the winners. That's how you start off. That's how you start off. And then you take your, your clone, whether it's a rock wool or whether it's an aero cloner, and you transplant it into what size container? You know, I would say from a clone to a 3.5. And then from a 3.5 to a one gallon, I personally go up to a seven gallon. Lots of other people do it different ways. When do you start topping? You put it into that three and a half, and, and when does the topping start? I top after I see four nodes. And so that, that might be in the four inch, or I mean in the three and a half inch, or is it in the one gallon? Uh, it's usually in the 3.5. Right, so you, you top it at 3.5, you transplant it into a one gallon. Daryl, we had a drone in a three and a half or four inch pot for some small period of time, like a week or 10 days. We top it and then put it in a one gallon pot. How much longer do you grow it after that? I veg it for a while. In the one gal? In the one gal, yeah. I would say a month, sometimes more. You know, I don't do it for a living like some of these other people do. So I'm limited on space and we're just talking six six plants on under yeah, they, under how many watts? Under three thousand six hundred and thirty watts. A very small environmental impact. Very small electricity yeah. bill. This is a home grow. So you, you veg it in the one gallon, and then you transplant it into a seven gallon. Put it into a seven gallon. Veg it a little bit more there, and then when the plants usually reach about, I would say, you know, belly height you know, or waist high, that's when I, I flip them. Do you have more than just the initial topping where you topped it when it was in the three and a half inch container? I do some pre-staking and some lower growth throughout veg to help make the plant as symmetrical and as wide as possible. When you're growing only a few plants, you got to make the most out of the square footage you got. So if you're not topping and training the plant, it's really not going to fill out or give you as much colas as you need if you're trying to actually hit decent numbers. What kind of uh, uh, soil and, and nutrients are, are you using or should you suggest people to use? Currently, I'm using growers soil right now. They're, they're so soilless mix. Yeah, they're HP Max. It's a peat, perlite, and cocoa blend. And then I use can of nutrients with a couple, couple different additives. 
some secret ingredients? Are you going to be able to divulge those to us today? <laughs> Nothing secret about what I do. Pretty much follow the recipe. I add CalMag in there. Doesn't matter what brand. Personally, I use the GH Cali Magic. And then early on throughout veg, I also use some sort of silicic acid, whether it be facilitor or uh, silicium. So let's just get this straight. You root it, you put it in a three and a half inch pot of grower soil, soilless. You use can of nutrients, you, you top it when it's uh, 10 inches tall. You put it in a one gallon container of grower's soil and continue to use canna. You veg it for about a month. How tall does it get then? In the veg period? And in, in, in that period. one gallon pot. In that one gallon pot, you know, it's probably up to my, up to my mid thigh, I guess. Daryl so puts his be... hand out like you can see it. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, to, to about mid, mid-thigh, mid I would say that's like, what, two and a half, three feet, some, something like that. Then you transplant it into the seven gal that also has the grower soilless blend in it. You're continuing using cocoa, I mean, a canna, right? And you veg it for another... Veg it for another couple of weeks, you know? Honestly, I don't adhere These to, plants are big. Yeah, I don't adhere to a time schedule. It's more about when the plants are ready. Because if you try to rush it, you're going to sacrifice yield for it. You know, if you're going to be patient and wait the extra week or two, it's going to pay off for you. And the same is true for when you cut it down. You know, just wait till it's actually finished. Yeah, and that's uh, takes just a little bit technique. But don't just say it's done at 56 days or 64 days. Like, really look at the plant and, and make your own judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And if as you grow the same strain over and over again, you learn it better. You get better quality, better yields. It's like anything. You know, the more you practice it, the better you get. What kind of lights? I mean, personally, I've got Gavita 750s, and then I have DLI 315s. Two double-endeds on each side, and down the center of it, I do the 315s. All right. Well, thanks, Daryl, for that uh, enlightening information and secrets uh, to how to pull a big weight on just six legal pants. And that was Daryl Souza from Cultivate Colorado telling us how to uh, max out six plants. And uh, many states around the country have six plant legal limits. So does Oklahoma. So if you're interested more about how to uh, wow, pull over a pound a plant on six plants with just a 3,600 watt stop in to Cultivate Oklahoma, Cultivate OKC, that's on Northwest 10th Street and Meridian. We're open almost every day for many hours of the day randomly. There's more than one way to do it, though. We see tons of people growing different ways, million ways to do it. And Chris, the manager here at OKC, he, he, he's got an alternative method for you. So, uh, Chris, well, what's another secret to success on, on how to, to build a garden that will produce quality cannabis and uh, uh, yield? If plant count is not an issue, I would run basically a plant per square foot and... I would veg the plants out to about a foot tall, and then I would initiate flowering. That probably would take about maybe 10, 12 days of veg, and then I would switch the light cycle to 12-12 and begin flowering. When I initiate flowering, I would go back and I would clean up the bottom third of the plant, remove all the branches, nodes, clean that part up, stake them, 
or use trellis netting. Just basically try and keep the canopy as even as possible and control lateral growth and just shape the plant depending on what strain you're growing. It takes practice to know how to prune the plant, but just you could basically go for one to two tops of plant and easily pull three pound yield. Easily. So this is this is my favorite sea of green plantlet method. Uh, you know, the really key to this is getting those numbers of clones, right? And you're talking one plant per square foot. That's 25 plants basically per light. Uh, and, and the secret is to really have a bunch of uh, healthy clones. How do, you, how do you go about like organizing that phase, uh, the very beginning phase of getting your clones and your early veg? It's good to have more clones than you need when you start. That way you can call the weak ones. I would say up potting, starting with, I like to go into five inch pots from the cutting and veg them in those typically for the first two weeks. That's where most of my veg activity occurs. And then I transplant into three gallon pots, usually wait a few days and then initiate flowering. Now the importance of using the five inch pot Many people try to skip this first uh, a transplant, but the importance of it is so you can do exactly what Chris said, is what cull the weak plants. It also consolidates your vegetative area so that you can, you can have more plants in a smaller area and you can keep all of your flowering lights in flower power. How tall are these plants? In the, I, I want to get some real good specifics for our, our listeners here. How tall are these plants in five-inch pots before they go in, into the, the three-gallon pot? I usually let them get to be about 10 inches tall before transplanting and then wait a few days until the, they grow a little bit taller. Usually I'll see roots already coming through the bottom of the pot, the larger three-gallon pot by that point, because the root root mass is fairly well established in the five-inch pot. Yeah, that's uh, an important factor there. If you see the roots coming, when you see the roots coming out the bottom of that five-inch pot, that's about the right time to start thinking about transplanting up into your three-gallon pot. And from that point, I don't like to veg that long in the three-gallon pots because I don't want them to get root-bound immediately. I don't want to get root-bound while I'm still like trying to get the plants ready to flower. And that way they have plenty of room for the next eight weeks to nine weeks in their three-gallon home. Right. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, the perfect scenario is to get the whatever container you're flowering in a two gallon, a three gallon, a seven gallon, a 10 gallon, a 20 gallon is after that first two or three weeks of flower, the roots have pretty much grown most of what they're going to do. They'll continue growing. But at that point, that's when you really want the container heavily rooted, not root bound necessarily, but heavily rooted. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I don't like to veg entirely in the the pot that they're going to stay in and through the flowering process i like to move them into different size pots yeah and do you promote uh fabric pots geopots hard pots uh uh, what do you think chris geopots i think they're the best quality fabric pot on the market yeah absolutely geopots are great fabric pots are great a little bit hard to transplant in um but hey i'll give a little transplant secret if you've got a, even you already know this one, Chris. If you've got a three gallon or five gallon or a ten gallon or whatever geo pot or fabric pot, you take a correlating plastic pot of three gallons, five gallons, ten gallons. You cut the bottom off with a hacksaw so it's open ended. You place it inside your geo pot. You dump the soil in or soilless medium in, and then you pull out the plastic liner. 
it's nice. I've, I've done that on a larger scale, but I've never done it with the smaller ones. Yeah, yeah it works best with the smaller ones, really. Great trick. <laughs> oh, yeah, pass that duchy over this way, Chris. That's right. Oh, man, you know, we're always trying to learn here at uh, Cultivate Colorado, but we see so many people come in with uh, different growing methods. And now that we're down into Oklahoma, we see so much, uh, so many different types of growing methods that people have started. Many of them involved uh, LEDs um, and vertical gardens. You can, can, care to make a comment on that, Chris? Oh, vertical gardening? Uh, it made me think of how much more efficient uh, Daryl's method of doing six plants is versus some of the older methods like the crusty bucket method surrounding plants basically with vertically hung light bulbs dangerous they should they should call that burn your ass method not crusty bucket or your skin looks crusty because you burn yourself so much i've seen it work well but the veg time is a lot longer than what daryl was describing yeah veg times where everybody loses it that's for sure and i know daryl yesterday was like i don't care about veg i don't care about veg but it's one of the most important things to me and to any grower because it costs twice as much to veg in days and in power it costs more money to veg than it does to flower so if you're vegging for six weeks you, you you might be in trouble i think also the the lighting that he was describing using the 315 lecs that's going to blow away almost any led totally man i mean the 315 really is uh the most superior grow light right now mm -hmm. i'd agree with that it looks like something like the kind of light you'd see down near the equator or something <laughs> it's, it's right it has a perfect spectrum you can change the bulbs out easy there's the 4200 and a 3200 uh, kelvin bulb one's for flower one's for veg many people like to mix the spectrums uh, i believe daryl's garden it was a a, a 650 flex uh, which is a double-ended bulb, double-ended product. Uh, Gavita and Phantom, they both make this product. Uh, Epapion makes this product. And then he combines it with an additional 315 next to it. I'm kind of amazed you can get that kind of yield off of such little wattage. So very impressive. And it's all that canopy. It's just it's making sure your canopy is full. That's what we're talking about here. It's square foot gardening. And you came in it really easily of one plant per square foot in a two or three gallon pot. And what Daryl was doing is, is he was counting colas per square foot instead of plants per square foot to get his weight or his yield. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've also had a lot of success running higher plant count per square foot, like four plants per square foot and flipping them even smaller. I mean, it's all how many plants do you want to manage and how big is your veg and... And high, if it's hydro, those smaller plantlets work way better, that's for sure. And I think in scenarios like that, I would be running rock wool. It's just easier to manage. You can grow a large plant in a four by four block. You can cram quite a few of them in. You can stack them on larger blocks. You can throw them away and replace them easily. Uh-huh. You can flood and drain them. You can drip them. You can hand water them. You can definitely get great yields off of even more plants per square foot with smaller canopy in probably a quicker amount of time with you'd be spending more on supplies but a quicker quicker return on your flip 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love all things indoor, outdoor, light depth greenhouse growing, but I really do love flood and drain hydroponic style growing, whether it's cocoa or the rock wall. The plants just start to develop this root system where they just really suck up the water and they just crave those multiple waterings. But the, the secret to that really is having more plants than you need, recognizing when there's some that don't take to it. And after that second week of flower, you know, throw out all the ones that haven't responded, replace them, right? Have a nice, even canopy. And that's really what makes those, those high impact number sea green gardens work is no hoop de doos in the canopy. Make sure you have extras. If you flower it and you've got some that don't respond to flowering, you throw those away and you put new ones in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't have passion projects. If the plant's not working out, get rid of it. It's best to start with a better plant. The interesting thing you just mentioned is the passion project is growers like to grow and they'll see a sick plant or, a, you know, a re-veg plant and they want to take care of it. They want it to be this great thing. And then like they do that and it becomes this like false sense of accomplishment. It's like they spent two months on trying to get this plant together and like, yeah, they're looking how nice and happy it is, but they should have just chopped it down, thrown it away and started all over. Yeah, I agree. It's I've definitely in my early days of growing, definitely had my share of passion projects and I don't do that anymore. It's best not to be emotionally attached to a plant. And You're right. You can always grow another one, especially when they're clones, right? Uh, <laughs> just make more than you need. You know, that's why stormtroopers are so great because like, you know, they're all clones. If some get eliminated, then you just kick them to the side. I mean, there's a, a, a stormtrooper just like it right, right next door, right? Right. <laughs> totally. That's a, a good analogy. Yeah. Hey, Boba Fett did something good in the world, right? Good for the world of science fiction anyway. It's taught us about clones. Uh, yeah. So there's a million ways to do it. That's, that's kind of the point. If, if, uh, however, man, if you ditch the magic and just look at the math, the plants per square foot, the nutrients, the way the plant grows, the simple growth strategy and growth tra- and growth habits of the plant. If you can dominate that, if you know how that works, then that's how you're going to get the highest quality and the highest yield garden. All right, Chris. So, so hey, uh, we're now open here. We're almost open here in uh, Oklahoma, OKC. Uh, is there anything you want to say to, uh, uh, to the, the Oklahomians and other people in the surrounding states that might be coming to visit us here? Yeah, definitely come on down. We're going to have some uh, tip sheets on different methods of growing uh, to help you with different types of methods, whether it be hydroponics or organics. We'll have basically a formula for success. There you go. Direct instructions, not just necessarily theory. We're going to give you like ways to succeed. There's lots of magic in the cannabis industry and there's a lot of snake oil sales salesmen out there. But what we really want to see is we want to see this plant propagate. We want to cultivate ourselves while we're doing it. And man, we want to see a ton of great weed. So uh, come down, chat with us, and we'll help you maximize your system and uh, uh, help you build your your grow room the best way we can. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of the sweaty day, Chris. I guess we're going to go load some more pallets up, huh? Thanks for letting me come inside the nice air-conditioned building. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Get back out there. Get back out in the heat.